Thanks for tuning in to The Way, a study through the life of the disciples. This week, we'll hear a message from Pastor Andy Bowles. I I think what we do in kind of our American way of relationships and community is sometimes we, we lump terms together or maybe even sometimes we abuse other terms depending on who we're around or the situation we find ourselves in. Don't want to hurt somebody else's feelings opposed to this or that. And, and we, we throw around things like um, best friends to friends to acquaintances, somebody that we know. It seems like this, this, this idea of companion may take a little bit of a different flavor when we think about friends or friendships. Even the, even the depths or the shallowness of a relationship defined by friend, whether close friend, distant friend, used to be a friend, is a friend, best friend, whatever it might be. When we, when we think about the, the word companion, I know that because all of us are different and, and sometimes we have our own lingo that is different than other people around us' lingo, you know as well as I do that with every generation there is a new language developed within that generation. Bet? You feel me? There's so many different things we could say. Um, psych, for you older people like me. Psych. <clears throat> And sometimes I know that we can, when we hear words, define those words differently. But, but if we were to take the, the term companion and define it, literally it is defined as a travel partner, time spent with someone, sharing experiences with, or someone who matches you and complements your friendship. Companion may be something that's a little bit deeper than just, if we were to say, that's my friend. This is my companion. This is, this is my match. This is my journey through life person. This is, this is not necessarily what we would say as, as best friend even, but when we look at the lives of these 12 men, these disciples, we have to see, and I, I don't know if we've really dug our heels into this truth yet or not. We will tonight. But the fact that Jesus could have done all of this on his own. You guys know that Jesus is God in flesh. John says this in John chapter 1, that there was nothing that was created, created apart from him. He was directly God in the beginning who was creating all things in consistency by him and for him and ultimately is all coming back to him. This is that God. We, we see him as Elohim in Genesis chapter 1, but he is Jesus in Matthew chapter 1. He, he is this God who can do absolutely anything he chooses to do. He could have called on a legion of angels to come and save him from the crucifixion. He could have done that. He, he could have done anything. He could have completed this mission. He could have done the task of sending out the 12 by twos in the cities going before him without them. But he chose something for our sakes called community. He, he, he chose companions to go along with him. 
And not just did he choose companions. I mean, we are 11 deep out of 12 next month in December, just next week. We're going to begin talking about uh, uh, John and, and the last disciple in the list of these 12. But when we when we review back, if you've been taking notes or, or maybe you're listening to these messages through uh, Spotify or Apple podcast or whatever your venue of watching that through the podcast or listening to that through the podcast is, you go back and you, and you review and you think about these guys and, and how little some of these guys are talked about, how much some of these other guys are talked about. But one thing you pull away from all of this is Jesus collected a wide range of personalities when he called the disciples. <laughs> I mean, it was... It was like a, the painting of a rainbow. I mean, it was, it was so diverse. He's, he's calling these different guys as his companions along in the journey. And if you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll find little bitty glimpses of certain of these disciples seem to pair up together a little bit more nicely than some of the other disciples might. Of course, you've got the brother pairs, you got Peter and Andrew and you got James and John and, and you, you, got, you got other guys who might be demographically closer together. You got other guys who have made, known each other beforehand, Philip and Nathaniel. You got, you got these connections, but, but there's a lot of diversity in this. But one thing that we see Jesus is doing in this is he's pointing out the fact of community. He's, he's, he's showing us that, that, that these guys are, are companions along in a journey, but, but there was three that seemed to have a little bit more glue than some of the other ones did. At least Jesus saw, saw that and brought them in a little bit closer, maybe equipping them for journey or ministry ahead that they didn't know was coming, kind of like, like Peter and James and, and John. Well, the James that we have been talking about, tonight we're going to do two things. We're going to conclude our study with James talking about a companionship within a community that helps us go beyond just seeing into serving. More than just experiencing something to now with obedience, obeying a value that we've learned from an experience that we've had with these three guys in particular, James, we're going to do that. And also we're going to take the Lord's Supper together tonight. So we're going to do those two things. If you got your Bible, slip over with me real quick to Luke chapter nine, James and his companions from seeing to serving we're going to pick up in Luke chapter 9, verse 28. And it came to pass about eight days after these sayings. Now, we're going to go back to that in just a few minutes about what's important about the Holy Spirit telling Luke to record what does it mean after these sayings, but, but it is extremely important. He took Peter, John, and James. These three guys, again, go somewhere else. The other nine don't get to go. Went up to a mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the, his, the fashion of his countenance was altered and his remnant, his clothes was white and glistening. In verse 30, it says, and behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elijah. Verse 31, who appeared in glory, 
Uh, in other words, their viewing was spectacular. It was amazing. That's the only word they could come away with saying this was a glorious time. And spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem, verse 32. But Peter and they that were with him. Now, it's not going to mention James in particular through this situation, but I do want to point out the fact that Peter oftentimes was a spokesman with the disciples. He was a great blaring example of Jesus oftentimes in the Gospels. But they, were, they that were with them were heavy with sleep, and when they were awake, they saw his glory, primarily Jesus' glory, and the two men that stood with him. And it came to pass as they departed from him, Peter said unto Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Not really knowing what he said, that's not uncommon for Peter, but he was influenced with his buddies as well, I'm sure. While he thus spake, there came a cloud. This is that Shekinah glory cloud that we talked about somewhat Sunday and overshadowed them and they feared as they entered into the cloud. And there came a voice out of the cloud saying two times in the scriptures, in the gospels, God speaks from heaven and it's heard audibly by men. This is the second time that we see it. The first time is at Jesus's baptism in Matthew chapter three, where it says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Here here he says, this is my beloved son, hear him. Some other translations, the Amplified, includes, and I don't know if this is just by assumption or if it is uh, something they find in the original text, which I don't, but it's not just to hear him, but to obey him. I think maybe it has the flavor of saying this, when you hear him, you should want to obey him. You know what I'm saying? And, but, but it goes on. <clears throat> And it says uh, in verse 36, and when the voice was passed, when it was concluded, Jesus was found alone and they kept it close and told no man in those days any of the things which they had seen. Now go back to that verse 28 and it says that it came to pass eight days after these things happened. What were the things that had happened? If you'll go back in the first part of chapter nine, you'll see that Jesus paired up the 12. He sends them out to the cities that are before him so that as he goes into these cities, there's preparation for him in preaching the gospel. Again, he could have done this on his own, but he chose to use the uniqueness of these men in that time within his posse, his companionship group to do for him what was community should have been done in the, inside of that community. But then in the, the, the next, that's verses one through 11, 12 through 26, Seven, you see that Jesus feeds the 5,000, but there's some uniqueness in conversation at the conclusion of that. If, 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 you, if you've studied the Bible for any length of time, hopefully the resources that you have had in your preparations of studying has led you to this passage of scripture. I want to read for us, and it's not going to be on the screen, but I'm going to read verses 22 down to about verse 25. And I want you to notice what this is. And this is the importance of eight days after these sayings. Let me, let me say this real quick before I read that. There are certain things that you will hear that will unlock some liberty inside of you because what you've heard and received is truth that transforms your life. Has anybody said anything to you that radically changed you? Let me just throw out a couple examples in my life. When God spoke to me by the impression of his voice upon the ear of my heart and said, Andy, I knew you was broke when I bought you. Whoa. 
That changed me. Uh, another thing that changed my life is 26 years ago, I was standing between a congregation of people and a preacher in front of the most beautiful woman on the planet. And she had a, she had a bouquet of flowers and she was shaking every one of them loose. And I said, let me help you, baby. And, and she said, I do. Radically changed my life. Certain things that, that are said, certain things that you hear that are just life-changing. They're, they're things that, that don't leave you soon. They stick with you for a long time. These things, you, you may not be able to over a period of time remember exactly how it was said, but man, you get the, you get the power of it, right? The, the reason that this is something that was said eight days earlier and is still needed to be mentioned in the Holy Spirit of God told a Gentile by the name of Luke who was not there when it happened, but later was inspired to write that specific saying was because what was said before is absolutely life altering. What was said before? Verse 22. This is red lettered in my Bible, maybe in yours, saying the son of man, that's Jesus, must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be slain and, the, and be raised the third day. And Jesus said unto them all, these 12, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is advantaged a man if he gain the whole world and lose himself or his soul or be a castaway. <laughs> Eight days after this was said, there's 24 chapters in the gospel record of Luke. We're in chapter nine. A little under, or maybe a little over a third of the way, a little under half of the way through this gospel record, Jesus is sharing the gospel. Guys, listen, Jesus says, I'm going to go and I'm going to die on the cross. I'm going to be betrayed, mocked, beat, ridiculed because of your sin and the sin of the world. I'm going to be buried. And three days later, I'm going to be raised from the dead. This has power to save you from your sin. But don't miss this. It doesn't just have power to save you from your sin. It has power to call you up into a greater life of service. If any man will follow me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Understand the weight of this. It is this fact. <laughs> what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and yet lose his soul? How important is this truth? Eight days later. When, when that truth is spoken and it is still being echoed in the hearts of his followers, his companions, his travel buddies, his life-sharing guys. Now he takes these three, Peter, James, and John. He goes up to a mountain to pray. Eight days later, the gospel has been preached. Life transformation is available. They go up to the mountain to pray. And what do they do? Jesus has this meeting. 
if, if you want to do any kind of in-depth studies, uh, there has been said certain Bible scholars, people who study the Bible for a long time, Bible commentators, believe that these two guys are more than likely the two witnesses in the book of Revelation who will prophesy, and if the scripture says, out of their mouth will breathe fire, whether that's metaphorical or, 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 or legit, I don't know. I kind of hope it's legit because that would be really cool. But then they're going to they're gonna be killed and lay dead in the streets for three days, and then they're going to ascend to heaven. Some people believe that it's these two guys. I don't. But... <laughs> And the reason I say I don't is because I believe that one of these two guys is probably going to be that guy. But I believe Enoch is the other guy. I think it's going to be Enoch and Elijah because Enoch and Elijah never died. They were caught up in Trent Morgan shaking his head. Yeah, you agree with me, don't you, brother? It was those two guys because the Bible says appointed a man wants to die after this is judgment. Those two guys never physically died. So anyway, again, a side note. But here Jesus is going to have this meeting with Moses, the lawgiver, and Elijah, the law preacher, the prophet. And so with this two presence, he's on a mountain and he's praying and the Shekinah glory of God seems to fall and all of this good stuff is happening. There is glory that is there. Peter, James, and John. A little bit like the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus is sweating as it were great drops of blood. He's in just a few hours going to go to the cross and die for the sins of humanity. What are they doing? They're, they're sleeping. They're taking a nap. They're resting their eyes. Years ago, whenever I was a youth minister at a church, I had a pastor who had, a, had diabetes really, really bad. And there were so many times that it, sugar just would go up and he would call on me at the spur of the moment to preach. And I remember one time he called on me like, he got up and he read his text. He prayed and he got done with his prayer and he said, Andy, my sugar level's up. You need to come up here and preach. And I got up there and I, I spent about five minutes trying to find a Bible verse. I couldn't find any in my Bible. And <laughs> And then I was like, here's one, let's go from there. And I preached about 10 minutes and I noticed one guy in the congregation and he was, he was sitting there like this. And I thought, bruh, I preached 10 minutes and you fell asleep. You know, what's up with this? Afterwards, at the end of the service, I'm in the back, he's coming through. And I said, man, did I bore you that much that you fell asleep? He said, no, nah, I was resting my eyes and I was praying for you, right? That's liar. That's not how that works. But anyway... These guys, they could have had that excuse, right? Twice in the Gospels, but they're, they're asleep. They're asleep, but they wake up and they catch the tail end of what had happened, right? They've got this truth. This truth is transforming. The flesh is weak. The spirit is willing. And they find themselves in this moment with Jesus that is absolutely amazing. Jesus wanted companionship, he, he wanted the circle of this friendship to come in and, and to partake in this, I believe, because Jesus wanted them to see something that would move them from the seeing to the serving. And not just that he brought one. He could have brought Peter up there. Peter's going to be the guy in Acts chapter 2 that preaches the Pentecost message and thousands of people are saved. Peter's going to be this amazing personality that God uses in so many different unique ways. And he could have brought only Peter, but he knew that Peter even though he might be used in certain ways, needed the community of his brothers with him. He knew that 
James and John and Peter needed to be here for this moment. He knew that all of them needed to see it because together they're better in serving. Not just in the seeing, not just in the experiencing, but in the, in the obeying, right? There was power in a group in that. And so, so this is the question that, that we have to ask ourselves tonight. How do we, with companions, the idea of community, go from seeing to serving? Let me ask you this. As an individual, have you experienced anything spiritually? Yeah, all of us have. I'm just going to tell you this is, this is the way it works best for me. There's times to where God will give me an opportunity to experience something, whether it might be vision or might be a dream. God reveals something to me, and, and it's unique. It moves me. I share it with other people. I see how God moves other people with sharing it. But it seems like it's so much, and this may not be exactly where I want to land this, but faster when maybe me and Laurie see something together, where me, Greg, and Eli see something together, where the elders see something together and go from there. It, it, it's, it's, it's the difference between vitamin B, you know where I'm going, and vitamin B12. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, it's, it's that. It's, 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 it's the community all of a sudden. And, and so, again, how do we, with companions, go from seeing? Seeing's wonderful. Seeing's great. Thank God for seeing, even if it's just me or just you. But when it's us that's seeing something, and then it moves us to serving, how do we, with a companionship, companions, go from seeing to serving? The first thought is this, a glimpse becomes greater in a group. A glimpse becomes greater in a group. I don't, there, it takes a lot to convince me. A lot of times, isolated, on my own, by myself, God has to do a lot of, Andy, wake up, you moron. I know y'all are not like that. Y'all are so gentle by the leadership of the Holy Spirit. God could whisper half a word and you're like, yes, God, I'll move to Africa. <laughs> right? I'm a missionary for you for the rest of my life. Y'all are that way and that's what I admire about you. But me, on the other hand, God, come on, man. But when it's in a group, it's almost undeniable. Right? It's, it's like, what? I mean, you're saying the same thing that, that they're saying over here. And what you're saying and what they're saying is what I saw, what I experienced. That's what I tasted in this as, as well. And, and all of a sudden, even if we don't get the full picture together, we just get a glimpse of it together. All of a sudden, a glimpse becomes greater in a group. Well, Andy, why, why do you say that? Well, if you look at verse 32, Peter and, and they that were with him, they wasn't just sleeping, y'all. <laughs> y'all look at this verse with me for just a second, okay? But Peter and they that were with him were, they was cutting some logs. They were throwing out Z's. I mean, they are, right? 
had a sister. My mom used to designate me because I guess we were the closest in age. She, she passed away in 2006 in a car wreck. But when we were growing up as kids, mom would say, you go wake up Leanne. Because Leanne, man, she was a heavy sleeper. Leanne was, the, she's the kind of, some of you guys may be like this, that when somebody tries to wake you up, it's MMA right now. <laughs> I mean, coming up, slinging, fighting. That was, that was Leanne. I always thought to myself, don't nobody sleep as heavy as Leanne, right? <laughs> they, were, they were in a deep sleep here. The scripture says, and when they were awake, they saw his glory. And the two men, that were, if you go back and, and read some of the other, other scriptures, you know, it, it's, it's verse 29. The fashion of his countenance was altered and his clothes were white and glistening. And he talked with these two men and who appeared in glory. And they spoke of this thing that he was talking about eight days ago. And, and they were asleep and they woke up and it just says, they saw his glory and two men stood with him. They just caught a glimpse. If they would have been awake, they would have saw something a whole lot greater. But the glimpses became greater in the group because the group all of a sudden now is coinciding. And in their coinciding together within that community, now they're beginning to formulate what their response is supposed to be next. Let me say this. You might get only just a little bit in the experience that you have in your spiritual walk with God. And if we're all honest, none of us deserve an ounce of God's grace. But that's why it's grace. He gives us a whole lot more than an ounce. And it's good when we experience it individually, but when we experience it collectively, when we experience it within our posse, when we get our, our companions together, and then all of a sudden, we may not get a whole lot in that moment, but what we get all of a sudden, it's a, you know, you've heard the phrase, a little leaven, leaven of the whole lump. We see that in the scripture and we use it as a negative connotation because leaven is a representation of sin in the Bible. But know what leaven does. It's like yeast. It begins to swell and grow. And just as well as it can be something negative, think about how it can be something that is positive. This little drop, this little glimpse. I'm going to tell you, I was in college I had three particular uh, or two particular friends, Scott Cockerell and Jason Moe, and we did a lot of dumb things that I'm never going to tell anybody about because <laughs> we were college boys and we were just poor and had too much time on our hands. But we did some good things too. And, and I'll remember the times to where we were in our dorm room and we had our Bibles open and we were reading and we were praying and we were confronted by scripture that was challenging our temptations. And I remember how through certain conversations, certain experiences we had with the Holy Spirit in that dormitory room, how the glimpses of glory that we got became a whole lot greater after we left out of that room and begin to have opportunity to experience life. All of a sudden, 
All of a sudden, what we had discussed and those plans and those hopes and those excitements that we're called as preachers and missionaries and pastors and we're supposed to be doing these things, all of a sudden, the little glimpses that we were getting made it bigger, greater in the group that we were serving in. How do do we with companionship go from seeing to serving? A glimpse becomes greater in a group. The second thing is we can bring balance to one another from what we see to what we do. (laughs) This is... This is the crazy thing that happens in here. Okay, so y'all, y'all know what, what happens in verse 32. They're heavy asleep. They wake up. They get a glimpse of the glory there. And this is the response that it came to pass. This is verse 33. As they departed, Peter said unto him, said unto Jesus, Master, it's good. Peter's a spokesman. He's speaking when he ought to be listening, right? And he says, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Notice I mean, the last part of this verse, is this not the Holy Spirit just threw this guy under the bus? (laughs) I mean, I'm sure in the moment Peter kind of got it after he said it, like, "Mm, did it again, didn't I? James, I did it again, didn't I? (laughs) Not knowing what he he said. Again, we're talking about Peter. Nobody in this room ever does this. Nobody in this room ever talks before they think. <laughs> no, we don't do that. He, did, he, did, he didn't know what he was saying. This is, this is what he said. That he wakes up. He's like, wow, this is amazing. He looks at his buddies. Man, are y'all seeing what I'm seeing? Yeah, we're seeing this. This is amazing. What they saw moved them to action because that's what happens spiritually when you get revelation. You not just are one who sees, but you're one who is moved to action to do. If, if you're questioning whether or not God really moved in a moment or spoke in a moment, you'll know through this, did it move you to doing something? If it didn't, it might have just been in the moment some movement of emotion in you that didn't create nothing. It, maybe it was maybe it was just in the moment and the mood was right and the environment was good and it's something that kind of tugged at your heart but you were you were wow I see that but the next day there's no change there was that from God it may have been a God opportunity for you that you didn't take but God didn't plant anything right there in that moment. When God plants something in the moment of seeing, it's always a response of doing. And so these guys are there. They're experiencing this. Did you see it? Can you believe what we saw? We recognize there's glory here in this moment. Peter, he's just the guy that's going to lead here. And he goes up and he says, Jesus, master, it's amazing. Can't believe you brought us here. Wish we'd have been awake for the whole thing, God. But we caught the end. You know, and so this is what we think since we just caught the end. Let us let us suggest to you, the creator of all things who saw the end at the beginning. Let us suggest to you what we think should happen. He said, it's good for us that, that we've been here. The other guys are nine. Not necessarily. Let's make three tabernacles. Why, why tabernacles? Tents. That was a thing back in that day. They would raise up memorials. They would put up stones. They would do tents. They would make sacrifices. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Isn't that a good idea? Let's, let's, let's mark this. 
the Shekinah glory of God was here. Let's make sure we're going to change the name of this mountain to the Mount of Transfiguration. By the way, that's what it's known as. Let's call it that. You were transformed from one state of earthly glory to a state of heavenly glory. God, let's, let's do it. Let's, that's a good idea. The scripture says he didn't know what, what he said. Now, now, we know in just a little bit, God is going to speak from heaven. But what is God going to speak from heaven in just a little bit? This is my son. Listen to him. When you hear from God, you're moved to obey God. Listen to him. What the collaboration of this group of companions helps do is balance from what they saw to how they should serve. The plus that we get out of this, when we read this passage, this is, by the way, the thing that we kind of spank, spank Peter because we're like, hey, you should not have done that. You, you should have made a, a better. Peter's doing the, the things that his, his crazy mind does. We shouldn't be doing it that way. But, but the positive that we do get out of this is the fact that they were at least were moved to action if they would have been a little bit more connected then they would have been a little more balanced in their approach to serving. This is how it applies to us. You cannot be one person with one desire and be the only one that goes out to do this service. Why would God call us a body and bring us all together and expect one of all of us to do anything alone? You see what I'm saying? He, he doesn't say, okay, here's a, here's a room of 80 people, but I'm just going to tell one to do the work that I want 79 others to help them with. You, you see what I'm saying? It's, 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 it's together. It's, and it's, and it's, when, we, when we come together, we can bring balance to one another from what we see to what we do. It's not making these mistakes, but instead it's coming together and seeing each other's blind sides and cooperating together and saying that's a hand and I'm a foot and that's an ear and this is an eye. We can work together in making sure that we bring balance into our service. One of the things I believe that makes Embrace Church as effective as Embrace Church is, is because it's not one, not two, not a small group of people doing the work. It is an entire body of believers that none of us handicap the body by inactivity, but we all do our part in making sure that we serve together. Brings balance. There's, there's got to be inside the realm of a healthy organization, organism as the church is, the checks and balances. You, you guys appreciate this. You may not appreciate it right now, but I promise you, January the 3rd, you're going to appreciate this. Say, so why January the 3rd? Because December's here upon us. Because your kids or your grandkids have probably, or maybe even your spouse, has given you their list for Christmas. Who here has already been asked, what do you want for Christmas? Yeah. What do you want for Christmas? Well, I'll take a car, a boat, a truck. A, you know. yeah. And we build these lists and we look at these lists. And if you're like me, you start pricing out this list and then you start laughing hysterically. 
because there ain't no way on God's green earth you get what you're asking for. Because it, but this is the temptation. Because I love you, I'm willing to do anything for you. So that means, because Discover knows it's December, <laughs> and MasterCard knows it's December. I'm, and every time I go to the, to the mall or, or the shopping center, every time I, I come up to the cash register, would you like to take out a company credit card? There's only 3.2% right now, but we're going to knock that off for the next six months. And Well, dang, let's go. And, we, and then we overspend. And then January the 3rd, after the first of the year and everybody comes back from their breaks, the postal service decides to start bringing us mail that we don't want. <laughs> right? And if we would have just maintained our checks and balances, if we would have just been practical in what we receive and how we can give, not overdone it, but appreciated the real reason for the season anyway, right? Everybody appreciates balance in those areas. Let me ask you this. Do you appreciate balance with spiritual vision? Do you appreciate balance among a group of fellow believers to where they can help you check your blind sides to make the corrections in your journey when it's your desire to do some kind of act of service for the Lord? People that go alongside of you and offer you help and encouragement along the way, you ought to appreciate that. How do, we, how do we with companions go from seeing to serving because that's what we all have to do. Every single one of us has experienced something. Now we're called to obey. But the last thought is this. Companions keep us from impulsive behavior to a consistent, obedient behavior. Right? <laughs> I don't know if you deal with impulsive behavior. Depends on what you're around, Right? Depends on who you're around sometimes. Depends on how you feel in the moment. The fact of the matter is, we, we oftentimes want to relegate the idea of impulsive behavior to certain people or certain groups, but the fact of the matter is, every single human being alive is impulsive in some area of their life. I'll throw you two things for me, Alabama football and chocolate. You too, brother? Amen, Hemi. I mean, there's got to be checks and balances in that, right? Companions keeps us from impulsive behavior to obedient behavior. These guys, here they are. And so what do they need as a check and balance in, in their impulsive behavior? Verse 35, and there came a voice out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son, hear him, make sure that you obey him. And we see in the very next verse, and when the voice was passed, Jesus was found alone. And what did they do? This is what they should have done in the first place. But what did they do? They kept it close. Didn't say anything to anybody until the right time come. You see, that's the difference between impulsive behavior and simple obedient behavior. This is what you ought to do. You ought to find a group of friends that can be around you that will help you not be impulsive. <laughs> Let me just stop right here and, and, and make sure I clarify. There is a huge difference between the need of immediate obedience, risk-taking faith, and impulsive behavior. 
How do I know what the differences are when, when there is a need or a call for immediate obedience? When, when there is a call for a risk-taking leap of faith, it is always motivated to me by the Holy Spirit. It is confirmed to me in the Word of God, and it is encouraged to me by my companions. Impulsive behavior, never ask anybody around me what they think, never pray about it, never study out an answer from the Word, it's just, I feel this way, I'm going to do that. That's impulsive behavior. Find a group of people around you that will help you go from impulsive behavior to consistent, obedient behavior. These 12 guys, of course, we know one, Judas. He made a huge mistake. He did all sorts of wrong things. He saw, but he never went to a true place of service. There was 11 other guys who within their companionship group both saw and then they began to serve as a result. They experienced and they obeyed. This is your challenge tonight. Don't be the kind of Christian that gets fat on the milk of seeing. Never wanting to go to the place of serving. But you understand that when I surround myself with people who are like-minded and love Jesus and love me, they're going to encourage me to enjoy the sweetness of the milk of seeing, but to enjoy the exercise of the going out and the doing and the serving. Amen.